Hey there, Kimberly Olson here, also known as the Gold Digger Girl. I'm a best-selling author, self-made millionaire, top recruiter, network marketing coach, and branding ninja on a mission to inspire you to get lit in your business and set your soul on fire. Join us as we dive into the action-oriented strategies that are going to allow you to scale your online business and create simple systems that duplicate. Let's get started. Hey, Gold Digger, Kimberly Olson here back for another episode. We are first going to share a listener review and then we're going to get into my story of sobriety. And you may want some earmuffs for this episode. I would not listen to this around children. So our episode or our review this week is from, it says Kimberly from Live. It says Kimberly brings the fire week after week. Kimberly Olson is the number one source for learning about online marketing and sales. She is authentic and honest with all of her strategies and breaks them down into simple systems for all online marketers to use. This podcast is full of short and sweet blurbs of information that will answer all of your burning marketing questions while teaching you new tricks and tips to implement in your business. Why, thank you. That's very sweet of you. I really appreciate it. And please leave your own review if you're listening and you haven't yet. It means so much to me. So I've had people reach out to me to say, you know, I have a friend who's struggling or a, a, you know, a sibling or even a spouse, and I I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to help them. Um, I don't know what to do. And so I thought it would be helpful to just peel back the curtain and let you see what it was like for me, because when you're in it like that, you're not... You're not necessarily ready um, for someone to want to tell you to, to clean up your act. However, there I also don't think it's okay just to look the other way. So let's talk about that. And I also feel, and I don't I don't think I'm alone in this. I feel like, especially as being a mom, it has become completely normalized to drink alcohol. You know, I'll think of all the gifts and all the wine and all the things. Now, before you stop listening, you're like, oh, she's just, you know, she's. Um, an alcohol hater. I don't believe that at all. I mean, my husband, he's a social drinker and he's, you know, he's totally does it because he enjoys it. I think that, you know, one of the things I heard Rachel Hollis say in one, in one of her books was there's a difference between wanting a drink and needing a drink. And that's what it comes down to, in my opinion, you know, just in college and through my twenties and even early thirties, I definitely like would have a cocktail because, you know, I wanted one. Like it was, you know, we went out to the bar or whatever, right? So have some wine with dinner. Like it was not like that. Okay. So there's a big difference in my opinion between having a true addiction and when you do have an addiction and people will say, oh, it's a, it's a disease and all of that. Yeah. I definitely think there's got to be science behind it being hereditary because it's on both sides of my family and I witnessed it firsthand. Um, not, not good things, um, with alcohol. So I truly believe that there's some, some truth to that. However, I don't, I don't think it defines you. I don't think it needs to be something where people are like, oh, well, you know, it's a disease and they can't help it. Like I am proof that you can overcome it. So I just wanted to mention that while I'm talking about this. <laughs> so, you know, really just be honest with yourself or the people around you. It's like, do you need it or do you want it? Like we have to get to a point where not only do we, we create a life that we, that we love and that we like want to be present with our kids and go out on dates with our husband and like have coping strategies in place for when things get stressful, for when we feel like we want to run away or escape or unravel or you know, the pandemic even, I mean, gosh, when the girls were home for, we were home for six months straight, like a lot of you, I seriously was like, I, it's a wonder that I am still in sobriety because it was so, so hard. 
but I kept telling myself, you have to be able to, to manage this. Okay. So that might be an extra session with a therapist or calling a friend or talking to my husband. Okay. So for me, when I look back and I'm like, okay, how did it get out of control? The first thing I will say is that I was very good at uh, hiding it. So, you know, it's not, you know, I had a job and I, you know, um, could go to book club and just function as a normal person. So I think one of the, the ways that it, it can be deceitful is that you will tell yourself, I'm fine. Obviously I'm not like an alcoholic. I'm not sitting around drinking, you know, shots of vodka when I wake up in the morning. So I think that needs to be said for some of you, you might need to hear that. And by the way, we're talking about alcohol, but this can be anything. This can be recreational drugs. This can be prescription drugs, which we know is a huge, huge epidemic. It can be food. It can be all kinds of things, shopping online. I mean, there's so many different things that can become an addiction. So when, uh, really when things started to go south for me, I would say is when we had Addison, um, I had postpartum depression and I didn't know that that's what it was. So I would just literally like cry. Like I would just like literally like be breastfeeding her and I would just cry on her. Like I just didn't know what those emotions were. I didn't have a way to talk to somebody about it. Um, I really just didn't. And so for me, it was like, okay, finally got her to bed or whatever. Um, later on, obviously after, you know, breastfeeding and all that and nursing. And I would just be like, well, I just, I, I need a glass of wine. Like I just, like, it was just such long days. Right. And you're just exhausted and you're not sleeping. And so that kind of, I, I look back and I was trying to like pinpoint it. I'm like, when did it just kind of become a problem? So then the second one came along. Now I actually, um, I didn't realize I was pregnant with Elise until I was 14 weeks along. I thought we were at seven weeks because I was like, oh, great, you know, let's go to the doctor and get the little ultrasound thing and see the picture, you know? And they're like, you're 14 weeks along. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I was already in my second second trimester. So I th- I had, <laughs> Addison had just turned one when we got pregnant. No, no, no. She wasn't even one. She was like 10 months old or something. Like don't, don't drink the water at my house. So when she came along, it was a very short, like in my mind, short pregnancy because we found out like, you know, so far in and I was not doing well with being a mom. Like I just wasn't, um, I don't know. I just didn't have any, like, I just didn't have the skills and I didn't have people around me that got it. Um, I didn't have a a church I was plugged into yet. My mom was just, it wasn't like, I don't know. It's just what she wasn't, it wasn't her strength (laughs) to, I love you mom, but it wasn't her strength. So when Elise came, I, that's absolutely when it was like, oh my goodness, like how am I going to get through the day? And it wasn't because of Lise coming along. It was because I had lost my job right before we had her. And a lot of you know my story. So I lost my job when I was eight and a half months pregnant with Elise and uh, they downsized the territory. So they eliminated my position because the company, I guess, wasn't doing awesome. And so they were like, we have to, we have to like, you know, let you go. And I was like, oh, okay, what am I supposed to do now? So I had always done really well interviewing. I'd always been able to get jobs my whole life, but I I couldn't. They wanted me to fly out to do in-person interviews and I just couldn't. I was so pregnant. There was no way. They're not going to hire a person who's about to go on maternity leave, right? So that is when it really, really went, just was not good. So I would just be awake at night wondering, you know, how are we going to pay the mortgage? So this cycle started, I got a job locally and two and a half hours of commuting on top of a job I hated. I took the job to just get some money, huge pay cut. 
And uh, when I started, Elise was three months old, I think, and Addison was not even two yet. So I had two babies and I would drop them off at this crappy daycare because that's all we could afford at the time. It was like in some lady's like freaking mobile home, which is fine if you have a mobile home, but hers was not, not good. And so dropped her off there, total mom guilt. It was so much guilt, 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 right? I'm in this job I hate. I never see my kids. I literally would not see them. Certain days of the week, I would just not see them. And so it was the guilt. It was the hated my job. It was how are we going to get out of the debt? It was all of it. It was so heavy. So I noticed that throughout the day, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I just, I got to take the edge off. You know what I mean? Like I am so wound up. So I want to say to you that's, that if you're listening and you're like, that's me, like I'm so wound up. You have got to learn how to not get wound up like that. Whether that means a job change, that means your family, you know, you guys sell your house and move to a, a smaller house just to get away from that, that financial burden or a different neighborhood. It's big, big decisions like that that could potentially save your life and your marriage and your relationship with your family, you know? So I would just feel so wound up and just, I couldn't handle it. You know, it was just like, oh, I just, I, I need to take the edge off. So I would get home and I'd be like, oh, a glass of wine, like right away. Like I wasn't even thinking like, oh, I've got these sweet little babies. Like I literally was like survival mode, like need the glass of wine. And then I would have a glass of wine with dinner and then it would just be flowing, right? Like the cheap, what was that? Um, two buck chuck from Trader Joe's favorite thing ever. And eventually it moved to box wine, if anyone can relate, because it's just, it becomes about more, more, more. It's not something where you have a glass of wine and you're good. If you, if you're like me in the way that I react to alcohol, it's not like that. It's more, more, more. And it's not even you. Cause you could be like, okay, I, I feel relaxed, right? It's like, I feel relaxed, had a glass of wine, took the edge off. It's not like that. Suddenly you're, the addiction is like more, more, more. And so you're always ending up in this like vicious cycle of drinking more than you should stay out, staying up later than you should be. You're not productive. You're, you're snacking at night, right? You're not drinking water. You're not working on your business. That's for sure. And then the worst of it, the absolute worst of it is when you wake up at night in the middle of the night, cause you pretty much some, you know, kind of pass out, not like blackout drunk, but like pass out, um, just you're out cause you've had some alcohol and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, Oh my gosh, what did I do? Like, how much did I drink? What did I say to my husband? I vaguely remember dinner. Like that's what can happen to you. Like that's what happened to me. Like I would literally just have sheer terror when I would wake up and then you can't sleep because you're going around and around about how much you suck and you literally have like, you just feel, you just feel gross. And so you barely sleep. And did you guys know every glass of, of alcohol you have takes away one hour of sleep? So if you quote unquote sleep eight hours and you had four glasses of any kind of alcohol, it's like sleeping four hours. That's why you wake up feeling like crap. And that's what happens. You wake up every day feeling like trash. You feel hungover, your eyes are bloodshot, your hands are shaking when you're putting toothpaste on your kids' toothbrushes. Like you're just so remorseful, but the worst part of it is is the self-hatred. It's this constant torment in your mind of, you know, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. Oh my gosh, that was horrible. Like I'm not going to drink today. And then partway through the day, the resolve goes down and the the day has gotten worse and you're like, "Oh, you know what? Just maybe one glass, right?" And so you're literally a tormented mind because you don't want to, but the addiction is so strong that you you rationalize it. And a book that really helped me, Michelle, Michelle Thompson's My Therapist, and she made me read this book right when we started working together, and I was like, ugh. It's Napoleon Hill's book. It's called The Devil, um, 
Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. He actually tried publishing it when he was alive and they wouldn't let him publish it because he was basically blowing the whistle. And it talks about how the thoughts that we have are actually not our own thoughts. And there's some stuff like indoctrinating in us from like society and all that, but also the devil. It blew my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, these thoughts I'm having throughout the day are not my own. I was able to separate those thoughts and start to get some, you know, some boundaries and some confidence in myself. That really helped a lot. So you will honestly feel, you will try to, to quit on your own, right? Like I tried medication. I tried, you know, different programs. And by the way, it's ridiculous, ridiculously expensive for any kind of like outpatient treatment. Cause of course, if you are a functioning, you're a functioning society, you don't want like to have to let your job know you need to like go check into a place for a week, right? It is astronom- astronomically expensive. So that might have to be part of what we do with the nonprofit because someone who truly wants help and they can't afford it is the saddest thing to me in the whole world. So I looked for all the options. I tried all the things and the addiction was just so strong. It would just pull me back in. So my friend Ramey was like, Hey, you should talk to Michelle. She's helping me work through some of my, you know, she had struggled with anxiety and depression. Like I had always, and we were so similar. She was like, really, you should talk to her. So I did a consult with her and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I think she could really like help me, you know? So I started working with her virtually, but I meet twice a week and she taught me how to, um, reprogram my subconscious mind. She has a whole thing that she does. So you, you feel free to reach out to her, connect with me and I can get you in touch with her. But we worked on reprogramming my subconscious mind. So instead of every day waking up thinking I feel like a piece of shit, I would start to say, you are good. You are a great mom. You love your kids. Um, today I'm so excited about this. Like it was just this constant telling myself a new story, even though I didn't believe it, even though I was still cracking the bottle of wine, wine, you know, open when I would get home every day though, I did exactly what she said. I kept telling myself a new story and slowly, but surely six weeks in, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm good. I have value to offer. I'm not a bad person. Today's going to be a great day. Like I had shifted completely into a different person and I knew, I knew I had, I was done. I knew I was done. So I talked to my husband about it. I said, look, this is what's been going on. I've kind of been hiding it. Like you don't realize how bad it's been. And he was like, you really should get help. And I'm like, oh, I am like, I am actually working with someone right now. Um, and when I told Michelle, I was like, look, I told him and he still loves me. And she's like, of course he does. Like you're, you're good. You're, you're whole, you're perfect the way that you are. Like, and, and when she wasn't thinking I was weird and he wasn't thinking I was weird and they both still loved me, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm, maybe I am good. Like maybe this is going to be okay. And it was just the support I needed to be strong enough to really like, you know, overcome this. And when you're new, you count when you're new into sobriety, you count every single day and it's so hard. Like the first day you're like, okay, one day. Right. And you, you, you also part of you is like, this is different. It has to feel different than other times you've tried. And it did, it felt completely different. I knew I was mentally strong enough to do this. And then it's like, okay, I'm a weekend. Oh my gosh, I'm a month in. And then you get to that 90 day and it just keeps going and it gets easier and easier and easier. There are still times when I like, if they're all the girls are together, even like work-wise for an event, I don't, I don't like to be around it when it's that like, yay party mode. I don't like that. It's just too much. It's just too much for me. So I've learned certain situations. I just don't participate. I've won company trips before 
and when I, when I was first on this journey, I wouldn't go. I didn't go to the company trips because I didn't want to be around all the partying. So whatever your situation is, you have to know those boundaries because you keeping yourself safe and sticking up for yourself through the hardest thing you're ever going to go through in your entire life is the most important thing you can do. And you have to have those boundaries in place. Um, and even, and I'm okay, pretty much okay now, <laughs> it, but Scott's so good about it. My whole thing was like red wine was my thing. He doesn't drink it around me. So I think that's really, really special. And I think that that's important um, that the people close to you understand what you need to feel supported. Um, I will say to you to finish up, if you're listening and this is something you've struggled with and you think, how could I ever, like, I can't even imagine not, you know, having that not be in my life. Like I want to go to Napa Valley, right? Wine country. And I want to go do wine tastings and I want to have happy hour with the girls. I will tell you right now, that that was my biggest fear. And my life is so good now that that stuff looks like peanuts to me. My life is so full. I have so much joy. I look, I just am so present in the present moment because I'm sober that I look at my kids. I look at my husband. He's dancing in the kitchen to music and I'm like, I am so lucky. And I also have seen that my life has been blessed financially, um, abundantly. There's so much prosperity around me now and I'm able to hear God and what he wants me to do. And now I'm a vehicle for him. I'm the hands and feet. And I really feel like that's all we want, right? Is to live out his purpose. We can't live out his purpose if we are intoxicated. We can't live out his purpose if we're abusing drugs. We can't because it just shuts you down. It's a blocker. But we can live out our purpose if we rise above that. And I really, really want that for you because I'm telling you, Anyone who's, who's been on the other side, you will say, what was I doing before? Why was I so afraid? And it wasn't you. It was just the addiction was so strong. So I hope this helps. Please share this if you have someone that, that needs to hear it. Please don't share it and go, hey, you really should clean up your act. It's, <laughs> the person has had to have come to you and say, you know, gosh, I really think I need to like scale it back a little bit or oh, I've been drinking too much. That would be an appropriate time to share. Okay, <laughs> We don't want to shove it down anybody's throat. So I hope this is helpful. I know somebody needed to hear this today. I really do. So thank you for for listening. And um, you don't have to share this in your stories. This is more of like a one-on-one kind of thing. So thanks so much for listening. And we'll hear, we'll, we'll uh, connect next time uh, and have a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful day. This episode was brought to you by The Gold Digger Girl, the program that teaches you how to build the six-figure foundation for your business. If you want support from an experienced coach that's become a self-made millionaire, recently recognized as the number two recruiter globally in her network marketing company, she's helped countless others scale their online business and create simple systems that duplicate, all you have to do is email support over at The Gold Digger Girl. You'll see the option in the menu tab so we can find out best how to support you on your entrepreneurial journey.